Hi, and welcome to episode 2.5 of Prove Me Wrong, Please. Uh, as I've stated in the introductions of my first two podcast episodes, the purpose of this podcast is to encourage folks who disagree with me or just want to share their opinions on matters that I bring up to just reach out so that we can discuss those differences in a more long form format that feels less like a debate and more like a friendly conversation. So when two friends of mine from my college fraternity reached out to me recently after having listened to my first episode, I immediately scheduled a time for us three to sit down one evening, over Zoom of course, and chat about politics. As you will learn from our conversation, we clearly don't agree on everything, but I found that although we likely don't plan on voting for the same presidential candidate in November, our views about some of the bigger issues in politics today, whether they be gun rights, foreign policy, and even our electoral system, are far more similar than we may think. And that's ultimately the point of my podcast, to just highlight my views, but also to show how my opinions have been shaped by friends like these who have very different life experiences and backgrounds, and why discussing sensitive issues like the ones I mentioned is a good thing if everyone's end goal is ultimately to form a more perfect union. Now, after recording this conversation, I realized, A, that I swear and say like far too much, Uh, But I also learned that relying on Zoom audio recording is just not reliable, so I hope you'll accept my apologies for the relatively poor audio quality and occasional swearing. But as I stated in my introductory episode, this podcast is a constant work in progress, and I will be sure to make the necessary adjustments in future episodes, so just bear with me. Again, I want to remind those listening that I don't intend to offend anyone, so if you disagree with anything I say here, I definitely encourage you to share your views and prove me wrong, please, by reaching out to me directly so that we can continue this dialogue at a time when talking with those we disagree with, I think is just most essential. Also, if you don't have the time to listen to this you know, full conversation, then just check out the description where I make note of the different topics that the three of us discuss in case you want to kind of jump ahead to different sections of our conversation. So, with all that said, uh, please enjoy this episode of Prove Me Wrong, please. And thanks for listening. All right, so the beginning few minutes of our conversation was mostly just us catching up and reminiscing on, you know, the good old times. So, uh, I edited all that out, as well as anyone's actual names that was brought up over the course of our conversation. And instead, I'm just going to kind of uh, drop us into um, a certain part of the beginning of our conversation with regards to cancel culture. And I just want to point out that throughout the recording, I might uh, interject and add a few points of clarification every now and then when we bring up a certain issue that we were unsure about during our actual conversation that I then later uh, researched and want to provide more clarity on. Anyways, enjoy. In terms of offending people and like the symbolism of offending people, I don't want to offend anybody. Yeah, but like, but also like, I don't know, I'm, I, I think cancel culture is like a big problem. And I think that like, uh, like, I love stand up comedy. And I think some of the best comedians are those who kind of like push the boundaries and like offend people because like, you're always going to offend someone. But it's, I I feel like, I feel like as a comedian, you have some insulation from being canceled. No, because I'll give you a good example. I went to see uh, Dave Chappelle last year. Yeah. And he said, I, I don't know if you saw the special. It was hilarious. I've seen all this shit, yeah. Okay, so the special we did in Atlanta, he said, uh, I don't know if I can say this in the podcast, you can cut it out. He said, Insert offensive slur. And he said it like, I don't, you remember what he was saying. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought it was hilarious. But a lot of people were, you know, looking at each other, looking at their girlfriends, see if it was okay for them to laugh. I don't know. I think in comedy. Well, wait. I thought the like, like the, the big Dave Chappelle thing was where he he told the joke about like, oh, I feel like all these uh, like like uh, minority groups or, or like like sexual orientations, like we're all just in a car and like. Yeah, that was that was during the show too. Yeah, yeah that was pretty yeah. Funny. Like that was it was it was a funny joke, but it's yeah. like that's that's what kind of people were up in arms about. But yeah, I mean that yeah, and that that sort of gets to my point. Like part of the the idea of like this podcast is like I, I intentionally make all the ep- the titles like very intentionally kind of like aggressive because like I yeah. want oh, be wrong. Right. Yeah. like I I want to I want people to get pissed off when they see a title like the ones that I've already made because then it kind of encourages them to like you know reach out and be like hey fuck you all right and then be like okay cool let's talk about it bro um, yeah let's have a co- well that's great that's why i wanted to reach out to i mean none of none of your titles i think are incorrect well so hey far, just, just wait it, i'm gonna I'll, I'll turn it up a little bit in the in the next yeah, you might just say yeah. some crazier stuff <laughs> yeah I, mean, I, mean, like, I feel like you'd have to say something pretty bad. I mean, you know what the number one, like, haunt you for the number one like, rated, or the number one watched Joe Rogan podcast Joe Rogan, yeah. where you had Alex Jones on there. So, yeah. like... Yeah, but I, I love that shit. I feel like the only way to, uh, to like, really have, like, a meaningful conversation is, like, to actually talk to those sort of people. Like, if I... I I've always hated the idea of... Um, my friends of mine defriending people that they don't agree with politically on like Facebook and stuff, because that just seems so counterproductive. And I know, I know I've lost a lot of friends on Facebook because of that, because they were just like, Oh, fuck this libtard. And they click defriend. But I I just hate that. It's about people, you know, creating their own bubble by removing any sort of objection to their views, which is really, really counterproductive. I think. Yeah. I'm always about, playing sort of devil's advocate and you know just making sure everyone sees every different part of the situation yeah okay so here our conversation shifted to coronavirus stimulus funding and how the two parties sort of are opposed on this issue and again i'm kind of just going to drop you into the middle of our conversation because i had to edit out a lot of fluff that is honestly just kind of a waste of time and kind of unrelated i mean this is just i wouldn't I mean, any point like, at any point, they need to just, like, throw away their differences and just ask something. It's now, right? Yeah, I mean, you'd think so. Um, yeah. It, it's frustrating because, like, yeah, this is a good example of, like, how both sides, like, really could or need to just, like, form a consensus. Or not a consensus, just, like, you know, cooperate and, like, come to yeah. middle ground. And they're both just, like, kind of too petty. Exactly. And it's, it's just over small stuff. It's, like... It's both sides, I mean, over small stuff that doesn't even really matter. Like, you can't, like, you can't have it both ways. You can't just, like, have a lockdown and just take away people's livelihoods, but then not, uh, like, pass the stimulus. Yeah. I mean, I was was showing Quentin something uh, just before this podcast. Like, the Pentagon came out on Forbes and said that they couldn't account for $21 trillion worth of tax spent. They couldn't account for it. It's on... It's on Forbes. You can look it up. Over how long? Because that's insane. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how long. Yeah. But they came out with something after 9/11 that said like two trillion. Now it's like 21 trillion, which is a ridiculous amount. And I know. I mean, a trillion dollars is a thousand billion dollars. It's a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. Like, do they? Ever, I wonder if they ever get audited. And like, if so, like by who? 
I mean, like, no, I mean, they definitely, yes, I mean, there's definitely like, you could definitely find out what it was. Like, if you look long enough. If, if, if the government lets you, though, is yeah. the thing. Like, with, will they let you? Yeah, like, they clearly won't. <laughs> because they asked them about it, and it came out in Forbes, and they said they couldn't find it, and then everyone just forgot about it. Yeah. So, so with the stimulus, I mean, they're arguing over a couple trillion. I mean, this is the time where they need to just agree on whichever and get it done. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't really been following like what the most recent negotiations are kind of being held up by, but I'm I'm pretty sure that like the sticking point is that well, obviously Democrats want to extend like the unemployment benefits to like what 600 a week or whatnot, um, if not more, which are, Republicans are kind of arguing is like just going to incentivize people to stay home and not work. Right. Um, but people like a lot of people not working. Yeah, yeah just, and that's the point. That's the point of the money because, like, we don't right. want people to go back to work at the moment. And, and yeah. understand it, like, 600 is a lot. Like, it is an incentive to stay home. But we are in a specific time where you can't be bickering over stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, you really can't. I mean, at a certain point, I mean, I think, I mean, I think it's also exacerbated by the election coming up. Yeah. So they're sort of arguing – for their bases rather than getting stuff done for the American people. Which, which it would be, it would be fun to take it away if there just were no more lockdowns and things just went back to normal, but I don't think that's going to happen. Like, if you're, like, a bartender or, like, a waiter in San Francisco, like, you're probably going to be out of work for a while. Yeah, you know, I mean, but the bartenders here now are coming back to work because of the $600. So you think that uh, that's, that's the issue? Like, you think a lot of bars or restaurants would open? But they just don't have the. No, I think they are opening, but they're having trouble finding their staff. What I don't. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Like what I don't understand is it is in the Republican Party and obviously Trump's interest to pass some kind of like extended relief bill right now. So they should, in my mind, just be like more willing to negotiate than they seem to be, because like obviously they want to pass something so that you know Americans can like still have money to um you know reinforce the economy and get back to work and whatnot but uh they're instead like so focused seem to be so focused on these like business liability protections as opposed to like extending the benefits and it in in like a very kind of like petty scenario i could see uh you know democrats using this to their advantage and like kind of like holding their ground and like not wanting to pass anything unless it was like absolutely perfect but because yeah, it ultimately with Trump, and I just don't see that happening. I mean, Trump already did his executive action, so you can just go off that. I mean, he's an egomaniac. He says whatever it takes for him to look good. No yeah, we were, we, were, that was, we were talking about that earlier. That was one of my theories that, like, like the uh, the Postal Service thing, like what you brought up in your podcast, that, like part of part of Trump's, uh, Trump's, like, egomania is just, like, he wants to lay the groundwork for if he doesn't win re-election. Yeah, like, it's like, only ego, like, just, just, like, for egos. 100%, like, 100%, yeah. Like, he'll, he'll come out and say, like, oh, I'm 100% going to win, but, like, like if I don't, if like, I this don't. is why. Because <laughs> like, there's, like, there's just that's, this, like, flip I mean, uh, yeah, that, that's exactly what he's doing. And, I mean, look at 2016. He won, and he still questions the results of the election, you know, calling yeah. it the three million. So, like, just imagine what's going to happen. But people, if, like, it's, it's, like, he has such, like, an extraordinary ego that most people think, like, Oh, like no one would do that. That's just like stupid. But like, I really think that like that is like a motivating factor for him. Yeah, like, 
a growing number of people are like, I think legitimately concerned finally that he won't accept their election results. And even like two days ago, his press secretary McEnany said that when asked like, would Trump accept the results? She said, that's a determination that he'll have to make at the time, which is essentially what he's been saying this whole time. Yeah, well, I think that's ridiculous. I don't think, he's I mean, never going yeah, to say that like, he's Trump not going to accept the results. He like, excites his, like, he excites his base. Like, he excites his base by saying this outrageous stuff. But I mean, if he gets voted out, he's going to leave office. Come on, that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, like he's not, he's an egomaniac, but he's not like an actual dictator. Like He doesn't have like the kind of like control. Yeah. Uh, like I mean, yeah, you say that, but like at the same time, like I, I mentioned this in the podcast, like his um, former personal attorney, Michael Cohen, said that like, oh, yeah, he's never going to leave office quietly. And I and because specifically he's so afraid of going to jail. And I think that like as all these like legal cases against like the Trump organization and Trump himself get closer and closer to prosecution because he is in court currently for a variety of like bullshit that he has done outside of presidency. Uh, he re is going to realize that like, oh shit, my only option to remaining out of jail is winning a second term. So he's kind of like being backed into a corner and is only going to like fight that much, like more viciously. Stay in he's got to leave office eventually. He's not going to stay in office for the rest of yeah, his life. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think he'll dispute the results. Like, no I mean, yeah, he'll definitely, because he's, he's definitely that's not, his, that's like, his MO is to yeah, just, like, just yeah, shit. Yeah, he's and get people gonna worked like, up. Like that's he's just giving like a normal concession speech. Yeah, he's not gonna. He's not gonna be. He's not, he's not gonna, he's not gonna, gonna be valid. Like he's. He's not gonna be respectful of defeat. So, but, but you guys think that like Republicans in Congress, if he were to pull that bullshit and say like, all right, even though Biden won, I'm calling this a fraudulent election and calling for a recount. Do you think the Republicans would go with him or kind of be like, nah, bro, you lost. Like, get out. I think it would. It would I they, mean, they could do a recount because I mean that's been done in the past. Yeah, they would. They but would do a recount. If they do a recount, like, if, if, if if push came to shove, they would force him out. Absolutely, like, absolutely. Because they don't even. They don't even really like him. See, I I I believe that they don't like him, but I'm not convinced that they would push him out. Some of them, I'm sure some of them like him, but like most of them like don't really like him. The only reason they like him is because it maybe helps them get reelected. Yeah. He's not even a real Republican. Yeah. And he's yeah. Really what I mean, I, I have a, I have a specific example because my grandparents are both passed, but when they were alive, they were actually members at Mar-a-Lago. Oh, wow. And so I got to meet him a few times. My grandparents were very liberal. I mean, my grandma helped start the first ladies library. She met Hillary and all the first ladies. So they obviously did not support him in presidency. They supported Hillary. But like when I met him at the club, like he loved my grandma. Like he was very nice. He was, but they, I mean, he was just a TV star. I mean, he built his he built his career <laughs> making people fight over being his apprentice yeah. and firing them on national TV. Like it's ridiculous. Like he's a he's a clown. <laughs> I, think, I think like that's why he's dangerous though, because like you're right, he's not really a Republican, but he just so obviously like craves popularity and he will do anything to get that and at this point that it, after he's kind of alienated like half the country he's gonna like keep narrowing down and uh trying to like rally his base at whatever cost because like he knows that those are the only people that support him and i i just so you think you think there's going to be sort of like an uprising like a military uprising no, I think what's going to happen is uh, the election's going to happen, but because so many people are voting by mail for the first time and the post office is just like ill-equipped to handle that much mail, 
uh, like putting aside like the facts that like their current postmaster general is like trying to sabotage it. Um, and because of the fact that like the majority of states are legally not allowed to start counting those kind of like absentee mail-in ballots until the day of the election, it's gonna take like at least a few days to actually know the full result of the election. But I could see Trump already calling like early victories in a lot of the important swing states where he's only looking at like the in-person voting totals before like the full voting total is counted. And so by the time that like all the absentee ballots from around the country are actually tallied and hopefully he loses, he will have enough like doubt in the system where he can be like, oh no, this is just the Democrats trying to overthrow a fair election in which I already won. So that's, I mean, what, I worry, that's what I worry about. Right. I mean, he'll definitely say that. Yeah, I, could, I just I don't completely that believe that it's going to come to I don't understand why they can't be online voting. If we can bank online, why can't we vote online? It makes no sense to me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like of all of the solutions to voting, that probably seems like the most um, insecure, I guess. I think there's just so many other like more realistic and understandable like measures that we could take that would still kind of uphold the integrity of the election process. You get verified as a voter and register to vote online. Why can't we vote online? I mean, if you come in and you don't even want an ID for people to walk in to vote, like why can't you vote online? I I could see that being like a solution, but like definitely not this year, you know? Well, no, not this year. I'm talking about hypothetically. Yeah, yeah. They just have to run the risk of getting coronavirus because they just have to vote in person. I mean, they they could do things to socially distance and make people wear masks where they can do it. They would just have to extend the voting over like a couple weeks they can't do it just make everyone wear masks like do it more slowly like sanitize like yeah they could do it yeah the the problem is i mean there are a lot of like problems with in-person voting one being like the majority of the people who work at the polls like as poll volunteers are old people who just like don't want to do it because they just you know don't want to die uh yeah that's fair yeah um and and also like you know there i mean there are a lot of other random obstacles i mean you guys live in georgia where you have to register like at least a month prior in order to vote and so i I mean i'm not saying that that's like the most obstruction obstructionary measure but like imagine someone who like you know maybe just turned 18 or just like tuned into politics for the first time and they forget to register until like a week before the election they can't vote um, yeah, I think I agree. Like with little you. little things like that that I think like add up to just like being like an overall suppression effort that just. So not- I have a question for you. What yeah. so in terms of the voter ID stuff you're talking about, and I'm not I'm not very educated on this type of stuff. What is so if you don't want people to show their IDs at the voting poll, like what is the solution? Like how do people prove that they're who they are? Okay, so I, I mean it's. Yeah, like I said, that's kind of like a touchy subject because like I definitely understand the argument, you know? Um, The problem is- I don't think- uh, So like what a lot of people do is they sign affidavits, which is like a legal document saying like, I am this person uh, and I'm, you know, voting, blah, blah. And if I'm caught and found out not to be this person, then I can serve like a much more extreme jail sentence than just, you know, an average like uh, personal fraud case. Um, I think that there are other IDs that you can, uh, or other ways to identify a person aside from like the kind of like strict number of or kinds of IDs that certain states allow. Like for example, a lot of states allow like an NRA 
uh, or like a FOID card as a legitimate ID and not like a university or um, employer ID card. And again, like I can kind of understand the argument for that because like there are more probably restrictions and regulations be behind a, a FOID card. Um, but like, it's just like the overall, that's just like one example of uh, finding a solution for a problem that I just don't think exists. Well, 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 what about, I mean, obviously you still have to register, so what if they just take a picture of you when you register? I mean, I mean that, would, that could be one solution. I, I think that, that that number that you brought up in your last podcast of only 30-some people fraudulently voting is insane. Yeah. Like, they, they clearly yeah, didn't do their research. I mean, they, they proved how many dead people voted for Kennedy. Like, in the yeah, 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 but the uh, the number that I gave was also like for from like twenty two thousand to like twenty fifteen. So I'm like, to, uh, yeah, I mean, like certainly there's <laughs> even being from Chicago. Yeah, there's a problem of like dead people voting in the past, but like overall, the voter ID argument based on like fraudulent votes is just like there the number total number of fraud fraudulent votes is just insignificant. But who's who's policing that? I mean, I just don't think that number's accurate. Yeah, so that was 31 confirmed cases. So yeah, I'm sure that there are more cases, um, but like in terms of like actual cases that have been like caught and found. Right. I don't. I just don't think anyone's looking for it. Is what the problem is. Yeah. Um, I mean, because 31. I mean, if anyone can walk up and vote for somebody, they don't need an ID. I mean, that's that's, and they just have to sign something. I think. I mean, I think thousands, thousands and thousands of people would do that. Yeah. Yeah, but like that, that takes. It takes such a coordinated effort that I just find it hard to believe something like that could exist without some level, like some evidence or some trace of. But know. like, look, like I mean, if you just register, like, let's say you're like a Democratic or like or, or Republican, just whatever party, you're like a party activist, and then you go and find like thirty people, and you register all those people to vote, and then on voting day, like you just keep voting for all. I mean, yeah, we, we talked about we talked about like, the like people running the polls. They're not the sharpest. Yeah. I mean, sure. I remember when I was a kid, they would like, when I was like eighteen or something, or no, even when I was like in my twenties, they they thought I was too young to vote because they were so old. They just didn't. They're like, wow, like you're eighteen. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm actually twenty-two. <laughs> um. So it's funny because like the most recent example of. Quentin, kind of like what you're talking about, like someone going around and like voting on behalf of other people. That happened actually recently, I think like in 2018 in North Carolina. In North, yeah, but it was, I mean, granted, both sides I'm sure do this, but most of the time I, I from my research, have found that it's Republicans who did have done this. And in 2018, it was a Republican who essentially did exactly that, like going around, registering a bunch of people to vote, I believe, and then for all the Democrats, either like threw out their ballot or changed it, um, and then for all the Republicans, just left it in place. So like, yes, that exists, but even then, in that case, I think like his effect was also very insignificant given like the total number of votes. And I know like every vote matters and, and whatnot, but like, I don't know. I I don't personally know enough about like the electoral process as it to like really speak about this but it is worth noting that it, it, it's kind of like a it's up to the states it's not a national thing which i think is good because then it makes it that much harder for any one cis person to completely gain the system you know right and and i'm not i'm not up to snuff on that either 
I just think that's the only guy that got caught. I mean, yeah. you got to think about how many, especially yeah, in history. Every election. I think it happens. Yeah, there's like some kind of, it's, it's, I mean, but, you know, yeah. these, these politicians have so much power. Yeah, but, but like, like Trump literally set up a commission of people led by this guy, Chris Kobach, who is like the uh, secretary of state or something of like Kansas, I think, who has made it like his life mission to fight voter fraud. And this guy and his panel took over a year to investigate voter fraud and came away with nothing. And so like there are people looking into this and even this guy with like a very like political agenda was not able to find any evidence. So I just kind of find it ridiculous to, to assume that the problem is more widespread than like we think. Are they requesting IDs though now? I mean, I have to show my ID when I go vote. Uh, yeah, a lot of states are. I mean, not, not so, all. So I'm just saying, I just don't know how bad it's going to be if they get rid of that. Because when you have to show your ID, obviously fraud's going to be less. Because yeah. it's a lot harder but to look, show. I, if, if anything, I would be. I, I would. My argument would be require an ID, but just like you were saying, like whatever barriers there are to people getting IDs, just make it a lot easier for people to get IDs. Yeah, know? totally. Like, like everyone, everyone, like like realistically, like we should live in a society where like everyone can have a driver's license or, or just uh, like an ID. A state ID. Yeah. Yeah, so like one solution that a lot of Democrats are in favor of is automatic voter registration. So once you turn eighteen. You, you know, get a license or a state ID or whatever, and you're yeah. automatically registered to vote. And so, like, you're kind of combining those two processes into one. Yeah, like the government just issues like issues like ID. See, I don't know. The thing about that is that once you register to vote, you're also available to be called onto a jury, and some people don't want to be called to a jury. Yeah, but that's also like kind of part, part of, of that's part of the social contract. Yeah, like fuck okay, you. Yeah, you're gonna. Um, same same with like so for me i've applied to numerous like government jobs in the past and in order to apply for a lot of those i have to show proof that i uh have registered for the draft and so like there are ways to kind of mandate processes like this that you kind of like take for granted and and think i think are kind of like part of your job or your responsibility is like a yeah it's like know? part of the social contracts it's like i don't know why we don't like do a better job of it here, but they're like countries in Europe. Like I don't, I don't know if Germany's still like this, but you either when you turned eighteen, you basically either had to like do like a year or two of military service or like like a year or two of like social work. So they like yeah. you just like mean them like basically like like we could do something like that where you have to do that and they just like give you like yeah the government ID they give you a government ID and a gun and you're ready to go yeah <laughs> no no. Quinn, I, I totally agree with you. And actually one of the candidates that I liked a lot running for pre, uh, president as a Democrat, Pete Buttigieg, had that exact thing as part of his platform. And I think it makes yeah. like, yeah. a, year, a year of like national service. Like you don't have to go into the military, but you have to like do something giving back to the country, you know, between yeah. the ages of like 18 and like 25. And I think that would be huge because it, was, it would force people to like, like have a better appreciation for the country, but also like force us to interact with people that we don't typically interact with. Yeah, that's that's what I was about to say too. Like you have to engage with like people from other places or like other states. And, like, yeah, it's it's definitely like it's it's weird that we don't have that. But like, I mean, we we had a draft from like basically like World War Two like through Vietnam, I think. But I think that's it was just after Vietnam we just got rid of the draft. But even like in, in peacetime. Like during the Cold War, we had like a draft. So I like to do something. 
I, to go back, I like Pete Buttigieg as well. Yeah. I, I, I thought I thought he was – him and Andrew Yang, I thought were the two best Democratic uh, – and Tulsa Gabbard. I liked yeah. I actually, I, I liked Pete too. Like, I just like – I mean, he had, like, he was really smooth in, like, a lot of his results. He was a good orator. A lot of, uh, I mean, like, a lot of his answers, like, seemed, like, pre-scripted, but, like, still, I mean, he was... I, he was I like, yeah, I liked him because he kind of reminded me of, like, uh, kind of like Biden in a way that he's, like, he is progressive, but he's also very pragmatic, and I just like how easy he was able to kind of put into a larger context, like, very complex issues and always bring it back to like what it means to be like an American. I know it sounds like cliche, but like this, this is a dude who volunteered to, you know, serve the country in, in military uniform, even though he absolutely did not need to. I mean, not need to, but you know what I mean. Um, I don't know, like I, I liked him a lot. I, I liked all the candidates for different reasons, um, but I mean, here we are. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, Biden's good. Like, just Biden is just—he's I mean, he's like senile. He's, like, he has—he can't—he can't see. Can't you can't. Yeah, you can't argue that he doesn't have like Alzheimer's or like another form of dementia. Like he has like a clinical, like mental issue. And he's—he's he's been a political journeyman. I mean, even like, I mean, he—he's never been the smartest guy in the world. That's I'm yeah. That's what like, I said earlier. It's oh, like, wait, wait, wait. You guys are saying that he is is can't speak and then he's not the smartest man but like look at his opponent this guy yeah is but, that's, but that's not what we're arguing here yeah no i know i know but like I, I guess i i'm just trying to trump is not, i'm not even arguing trump that he's not the smartest i'm just arguing that he has like a medical condition and he's like not like fit like for office like he couldn't like he couldn't do like a lot of like the most basic jobs in society like i don't think like i think if like like if he had to like be like a bus driver right now like he couldn't do it like mentally like he's just like like he's in a nursing home. Yeah, like he's he's at the point where he like he can he can like stand on a stage and like read like like a prepared speech because like that's what he's been doing for years. But like he like he can't like do anything off the cuff. Yeah, uh, but like I, or, I don't know. Like, I, I just oh sorry. Well, he's he's just like like he's he's really gone downhill like, medically, and like I know it's like. People, it sounds ridiculous, but people have said it's like elder abuse, but like it kind of is. It's like people, like, there are like a lot of people clearly like who are like his handlers and they're just putting him out there because like they have something to gain, you know, like by Biden being uh, president. Like, when it's not because like, he, I mean, he was the most moderate, so they thought that he'd have the best chance. Because, I mean, I, I personally disagree with all the socialist candidates. Yeah. Well, well, hold before we get into like that, I want to yeah. just backtrack really quick because I think like that attack in terms of like him not being like all mentally there, while like partly true for sure, like he's going to be the oldest presidential candidate in history, and that's definitely a topic worth discussing. Uh, it just kind of reminds me of like the attacks against like Hillary in 2016, where like she had the flu one day and like stumbled falling into a car. And then, like, for weeks, like, Fox News was like, oh, she's got AIDS or whatever. Like, she's going to die on her first day in office. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's This is like an ongoing. I mean, when they asked him to do a cognitive test, he asked the guy if he was on cocaine. He's like, do you take a disease? Yeah, he was like, are you a like, junkie? Like, like, he said, if you, if you ain't black, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Like, stuff, saying stuff like that. Yeah, like, yeah, he said, he, says he, like said that. he said stuff like that before he was seen. Like he had like 
Like he's he's all, he has a history of just saying like like racist like gaffes, but like and his voting history but he, but he, makes he him seem pretty racist as well. So like yeah, so, so, like it's problematic before he had dementia, but like my issue, my issue is like like, like the dementia. Like it's not even like the, like Joe Biden like before that. Like he's gone down. Like he's gone downhill like very rapidly. Like during the Obama years, he like he was like cognitively with it, but he would just like say like racist stuff sometimes. Like, so like, yeah, like, I, I understand that kind of, but like, okay, even if I were to like concede that like, yeah, he's not all mentally there, at least like he is smart enough, I think, to still put a team around him of like very competent people, which is something that like Trump, who I consider like very much worse, like in terms of like cognitive abilities, is like already demonstrated that he is not able to do in terms of like putting a team of like strong, like actually competent people around him. And it still signals weakness to like the rest of the world. And like that just, that just emboldens like, like our enemies, like China or like whoever. And I'm worried about like pretty it. Right now. I what? mean, if he puts, huh? if he, if he puts a bunch of socialists around him, I think that's a slippery slope personally. Um, I, I think that Trump has all of his cognabilities. I think he's just an asshole and he's a bad person. Like, really? I th you think you yeah. think that do you think honestly that Trump is smarter than Biden? I don't, I wouldn't say smarter, but I'm not I'm saying I don't think he's senile, I just think he's a dickhead. Like I think he's an asshole and he's not competent. I don't think he's competent. Yeah. But I just I mean, I think he's more I think he, like in terms of like having your wits about you, like if both of them were my grandparents, I'd be like, he's a little more with it than uh, Biden. Like, yeah. that guy's, but he's an asshole, he's a racist, but he's a little more with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I'd say, I, I don't agree, but I think that's probably just because I don't watch like Fox News as much as I would assume you guys do. And, and I'm sure like the majority of their coverage is like, oh, look at this shitty moment that Biden had. He's old as fuck, he's gonna die on day one. But also like- He's had, he's had like a lot of shitty moments. It's like he, he he was in an interview uh, on like CNN where he just like he just forgot what he was gonna say or he was like oh I've been talking too long and then he just kind of like nodded off like during the interview. Yeah, his like go to is like, like and and by the way, come on man, like and he just changes the subject like he can't even finish an entire thought. Yeah, like he starts talking about something and then just completely changes the subject. Yeah. Like he's not he's, he's not the Joe Biden of the Obama years. He's like. Oh, no. In the Obama years, he was like a very, he was like a smooth politician, but like, like, yeah, he would have like a lot of gaps, you know, but like, he'd say like offensive shit, but like, he, he did not, he wasn't like mentally, uh, like no one's questioning like his mental faculties. But uh, yeah, yeah. I'd say yeah, like, I, like, he's kind so, of like positioned himself as being like a transition candidate. Like I could very well see him. And there were rumors about this like months ago of him only running for one term and trying to just like pass the torch to like a younger, more, you know, cognitively adept like candidate. And even in that case, I'd be like totally fine with it. I'm, I'm curious if like, if that is something that you guys see as like also kind of a sign of weakness, if he were to only be like a one-term president, like a, a poll. I mean, yeah, I think that's definitely a sign of weakness personally. I just don't think, I mean, I don't like as of now, it's just like, it's not a risk we want to take as a country because I mean, he, he like, like there's certain, uh, task we have to do as a president like it's just a job like in the sense that like any other job is that like it's not like a, a political task 
which like like the military aspect is like one of them. You know, commander in chief for the yeah, most like, powerful country in the world. But like they're like they're like uh, like a competent president is going to make the same decision in like a lot of situations, regardless of their party. And you just and you have to do it like quickly, like I would imagine, and like under like a lot of pressure. So like 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 for example, like I'm sure like Obama and like George Bush like would have made a lot of the same decisions in like like a, a moment of crisis, you know, but like like Obama like or uh, Biden like potentially like wouldn't be able to do that. But but like he he did, and in terms of like recovering the U.S. economy, that was like a pretty big task that he essentially handled uh, at the direction of Obama. Granted, yeah, it was ten years ago, but also yeah. like I would say like look at just like Trump's response to the coronavirus, which granted is a huge task to manage. Uh, I think he has just whiffed horribly, and I I just don't buy that Trump would be any better in a second term uh than biden would be despite his like mental capacity maybe not being as sharp as it was and we're not we're not arguing that but i want to say something about the economy though i mean what obama did in like simpler terms what obama did was he kept the uh interest rates artificially low in printed money which creates economic expansion for a bit but it also creates a bubble what the contrast was, I thought was ridiculous, is Trump tried to call him out for that when he was running. And then when he became president, he did the exact same thing. Yeah, but I mean, he, he called out Obama for essentially everything that he's just repeated now as president. Yeah, because there, there's yeah. a contradictory like, tweet for I mean, everything. The theme of it is Trump is a egomaniac lunatic. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, but but like, just, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree, which is why I think even like a cognitively slow Biden would be a more safe pick than Trump, which I know is not what we're kind of arguing at this point. Right, because I'm not, I'm not arguing for Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm arguing there's certain... I think they're both very bad. I just think that we're in such a big bubble right now economically. Oh. I mean, the fact, the fact that the economy is almost back to what it was pre-coronavirus is insane. What we're doing is artificially keeping the interest rates down and just printing money, which yeah. creates inflation. Not to mention all the debt we have—twenty-six trillion dollars worth of debt. That's not going away. Like three trillion in this year, right? Right, right. And which is which is just insane. Like, I mean, the fact that I mean Trump right now and Obama did as well is just doing it for the re-election, just to hold their hat on the economy. Is insane because he's he's about to cripple. Did you see the quote or the clip where he said, "We hold these truths. We hold these truths. You, you know the thing." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally didn't remember. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Like it's like it's it's like that bad. Yo, cute. Like I'm with you, man. Like when I, uh, Becky, my girlfriend, and I went to Iowa caucuses this year, and we saw all of the candidates speak who are still in the race at that point. And I remember coming away from that weekend being the least impressed by Biden specifically for that reason because I've always been like very I mean I, I watch Fox News like a lot more than most liberals do um, and read it uh, every day but I, I remember like kind of going into it being like all right let's see if like all this hype about him being like slow and whatnot is real and I kind of came away with it being like oh yeah well he didn't seem as sharp as I kind of would yeah and so like like sadly like sometimes when people are that age they go downhill really fast so like it makes sense that like you know like during the obama years even like up to like like when hillary was running against trump like he was like 
more or less normal, but now it's like he's just really gone downhill, and like that like does happen to some people. It's like some people with like cognitive decline, it's like just like a very gradual process, but then other people, it's like pretty quick, you know, it's just sad. But, but like like I said, I still trust that he will put in a good enough team around him that like a they would be able to recognize if he wasn't cognitively there, and b are way more reliable than like any other alternative. Who, who do you think would put it, he would put around him though? Like these socialist wackos? I mean, no. And and a perfect example of that is his VP choice, Kamala Harris. Like if he really yeah, wants, she's, like she's not like a far left. Yeah, I think that that was a smart choice. I mean, I didn't like how she was just you know attacking him and saying that she believed his like accusers and all that stuff. And yeah, but supported him. But yeah, even just. <laughs> yeah, but even even that I think shows such a uh, uh, important character quality of Biden in that like, yeah, Kamala took him down in that early debate. And yet he still, you know, realized like, oh, damn, maybe she is the best pick. Could do you think he made that choice? Biden? Yeah, do you think Biden was the person that made that choice for Kamala? For sure. I mean, he definitely had a team like narrow it down to like, you know, four or five candidates. But like, I think ultimately, yeah, he, he chose which one he wanted. What, what really bothered me the most is that he announced that it was going to be a woman like six months before he announced who the VP was. Like that's clear yeah, identity no, politics. I mean, it is, it is like, well, like I, I just feel like you should pick the best candidate, not narrow yourself down to saying, oh, it's going to be a woman, which did excite some people. Yeah. But, I mean, someone based on who you think is going to do the best job, whether it's a woman, a man. I mean, I'm going to vote for a woman for president. I understand why he did that from a political standpoint, but you're right. It is like, it's, it's kind of a double standard because like you couldn't be like a corporation and say like, like the board just comes out and says like, I don't know who the next like CEO of uh, like Exxon Mobil is going to be, but like, I can't tell you we're going to discriminate on the basis of uh, like uh, gender and race. He's definitely going to be white. Sean Jackson said that thing about the Jews and they're just like rather than like sort of like distancing themselves to like oh we need to educate him. I feel like that's more of a racist stance to like oh he's just ignorant we need to educate him on what happened with Jews rather than you know so like so what, what, would, what would have been like a more appropriate response then what what would have been like a more appropriate response I well, mean based, based on the responses of any racist stuff saying today, it should be complete excommunication and canceled. Yeah, I mean, uh, but again, like, you know, in my opinion, I hate cancel culture in any scenario, regardless of who it's targeting. Oh, I, me too, but I'm saying hypocrisy standpoint there. Yeah, 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 I mean, hypocrisy is bipartisan for sure. Um, but I don't know, I'd say like the solution to pretty much any problem is education, but like that always just comes across as pretentious, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. It just and, and then when all these people came out and supported them, I was shocked. As a Jew, it was just like shocking to me that these people came out and supported them. And I mean, nothing really happened. You didn't get suspended or anything. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. You, like, 
it's it's not it's not fair. He tweeted he tweeted something saying, and again you can edit this out, but he said the Jews are extorting the Jews for world domination. He tweeted something like that. It was just like and a he like apologized thing. and then it was like a quote attributed to Hitler that actually wasn't from Hitler, but it sounded like it. And like he apologized and then highlighted that same part again and posted it again. I remember like seeing that in the headlines. I just never really like looked into it. Yeah, check it out. And there's like the way I explained it was there's like kind of a double standard that gets applied to different minorities, and because like Jews are like so like it's like a small percentage of the population, but they're like very successful. It, that, like people just treat them with like like a different standard, which I'm not saying that's fair, but like I think that's like part of like the reason like people yeah. like yeah people are, especially like right now like people are like much more comfortable with like. Uh, like, a, like for example, like like a Jewish joke than like a black joke, you know? Oh, of course. And then, like, just like I mean, joke. police brutality is definitely an issue, but the organization Black Lives Matter, I mean, it's not centralized. It doesn't have a clear leader. Um, they're, like, trying to get rid of STEM, which is, like, science and math, which I thought was ridiculous. And, like, the, I mean, yeah, the creator like, said they were, like, trained Marxists, which I think is even more ridiculous. Than it's not. I, yeah, I mean, but also... I mean, again, this is kind of like a, a separate topic entirely, uh, which I'm down to kind of like talk about. Um, but I think I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to do that. No, dude, I don't. I don't care. Like, this is our conversation. Like, I, I don't want to pigeonhole it in any one direction. Um, but with Black Lives Matter, like it, the idea though that it is like a terrorist organization on the same level as like the KKK or something. Oh, I never said that. I know, I know that's not what you're saying, but I think like that is yeah, definitely, like, not. definitely not. Definitely not. Definitely not. That's not an argument. Yeah. 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 Again, not what you're saying, but like that is sort of how it's presented in a lot of like conservative circles and media. And and, and that's and that's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. But to compare it to the uh, the civil rights movement of the '60s, I think is also pretty equally ridiculous. I mean, in the South, there was segregation and blacks were getting lynched. Yeah, but at the at the same time, they viewed civil rights activists as like modern terror or terrorists of the time, maybe not terrorists. That might be a strong word, but like they. Yeah, they, but I mean, it was a more peaceful protest, and they also had uh, clear leaders, but a clear message. I yeah, mean, but I feel leaders, like, leaders. A lot of people hated Martin Luther King. Was not very well liked while he was alive at the time, but I mean, he had a good message. I mean, there was no leaders for Black Lives Matter. I feel like they're just all over the place. And I agree that I mean, police brutality is a clear issue that we need to talk about and we need to end. I'm just not, I mean, I'm just not, like, people say, like, oh, Black Lives Matter is, like, a Marxist movement. Like, where's, like, the evidence for that? The, 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 like, yeah, okay, the, the co-creator said they were trained Marxists. Oh, really? Yeah. But they don't, I mean, like, there's not, like, anything in the media, at least that I've seen, where they talk about, like, like, economics at all. Because it's not a centralized movement. Yeah, like, like, maybe that's it, but it's just, like, I feel like if they had, they found some, some Marxists, if, like, if they, they found some, them. like, good orators, like, some good leaders, it could be a great movement. But I, but I think like that's kind of the, the point of the movement is that like they don't want to have it revolve around a single personality because every person is flawed. And so it's more about like the idea as opposed to like the person. But they do need a clear uh, message though, right? Yeah, but like I, I think they're kind of developing that as they go. Um, I think if you go on their website, they've got like four key points that they want to like reform when it comes to reform like policing. Uh, I don't know what they are like offhand, but... Um, I think like it's a movement. Like it's it clearly it, it takes a while for it to kind of coalesce around a single message. But to, you think that funding the police is a 
valid argument? Um, kind of. I don't think it's as radical as people think, but also like they're not arguing to, well, most people are not arguing to completely defund the police. They're just, they're trying to reallocate the resources to other services like, you know, mental health services, social workers that could kind of like share the weight, the massive weight that I think a lot of police forces have on their shoulders right now, which is like kind of what has led to a lot of these, you know, incidents that have become high profile. So like a good- I guess I can see that. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I guess I can see that argument if you look at like, like a, like a country in Europe that has like better social services, you know, and, and like infrastructure and maybe people look at that and say like, oh, well, if we had this, like fewer people would turn to crime. I think so like, we, like we wouldn't need like as big of a police force. So like maybe that's- No, I, I agree with that. Like, I think like the police should like, be more trained. I mean, if the police for sure. were, like Navy SEALs and trained in de-escalation tactics, that would help a lot too. And I mean, I don't know. That's just my opinion. That's all I have to say about that. No, hundred percent. More about economic stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, this is a whole nother conversation. But just like to, I guess, like wrap it up. Like a good example of why I think the conversation is just kind of getting blown out of proportion, at least on the right, is like Los Angeles. Their county board voted to decrease the budget by like two million or something out of like a two billion dollar police budget. So like not that much, and the police department like freaked out. Uh, through a hissy fit. And I think like there is an argument on both sides to some extent, um, you know, in terms of on the policing side that like, all right, that $2 million was going to go towards hiring like new officers and mostly like low income areas, fine, whatever. But also like, they're kind of like missing the point that like, no, you guys just have way more power and authority than you should at this moment. And the research, the massive amount of resources that we're investing in you could be spent elsewhere that would ultimately benefit you. Okay, quick clarification. Uh, I was significantly off with my number here. So the LA City Council voted to slash the LAPD budget by $150 million um, from its $2 billion annual budget. All right, back to the combo. Like you said. No, no, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, power is always an issue when it comes to politicians. Yeah, like any, like, like, yeah, any government department. Anyone like, read Machiavelli? Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Like any government department would like react the same way, you know. Like in like police, yeah. Like big city police departments are like pretty powerful. Like they have like a union, and like obviously like politically, like they have some influence, you know. So like I think we should defund everything, personally. But that's a different issue. Let's let no. Let's talk about that. Let because you. <laughs> You uh, mentioned in your email response that you uh, identify like somewhat as libertarian. I mean, um, I yeah, yeah. We both we both voted for Gary Johnson. Yeah, I plan on voting for George Rogan. Yeah, of course. I Um, yeah. Go ahead, uh, explain that because I don't know that much about Joe Jorgensen. Um, So I'm curious to hear like what it about her kind of appeals. I mean, she has like classic libertarian views. Like she like I mean, some of them are pretty out there. Like she wants to abolish the ATF. And uh, and the drug war, but I mean, the the main thing about libertarianism is uh, minimal government. I mean, the founding when the founding fathers set everything up, they thought income tax should be unconstitutional. I still think it should be. Um, I just think the government wastes so much money. Like to what I said before about the twenty-one trillion wasted. Yeah. And the government, the only way they make money is to tax the citizens, right? And the main thing they do is, I mean, their main MO, in my opinion, at least, is cripple you and give you a crush. 
So they create a problem, and then they try to fix it by throwing money at it. Yeah. Like, let me give you an example. Uh-huh. So, so in terms of college, everyone's saying, oh, yeah, we want free college, all this stuff. You know, if you look back to, like, the 60s and 70s, college really wasn't that expensive until the government created these back loans where the colleges knew they were going to get paid. And so the college was like, oh, shit. We're gonna we we can we can charge as much as we want because the government's giving these loans, and they create and then they start spending all this money and raise and raise the prices. Not only that, in the sixties, you know, probably what percentage of people you think went to college? Maybe 50, 60 percent. In the sixties? No, probably like yeah. ten. Yeah, ten ten percent. So 15, yeah. So now with the government back loans, everyone goes to college. Not only is it no. super expensive. Not, 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 not everyone. Not everyone. A, a minority, people, minority of people do. Yeah, no, but a lot, a lot more people go to college. Yeah. Okay. It's very expensive, and the and uh, and your uh, when you graduate, I mean, it's kind of devalued now. I mean, in the '60s, if you didn't graduate from college, you could still get a good job. Yeah. Now we have kids graduating from college, spending what twenty, thirty thousand dollars in a moat and a like a mountain of debt. Yeah, I think they have to pay back and they can't even find a job. Totally. And I think that's mostly because of the government back loans. It's, it's the idea of cripple you and you'll give you a crush. And now all these socialists want to make it completely free, charge us even more money, and then the government's just going to raise our taxes. So I guess, um, I, yeah, I don't know that much about like the, the government loans and the connection to college. First of all, I think that like, I don't, I don't like the idea that like people have to go to college. I think if you don't want to, or you want to go to a trade school or just start working, you should absolutely be able to. Um, But at the same time, I also think like higher education is an important part of any developed society because then it, you know, creates people, engineers, whatever. That's sort of like a separate um, tangent. But I guess like my biggest problem with like libertarianism in general is just that like, it seems like a good idea but in practice just unrealistic in the sense that like if i were to like compare it to like sports and i think i did this in the episode um i feel like democrats are essentially arguing that like no we need like impartial referees to make sure that everyone's playing by the same rules whereas republicans are saying like no we need to pay off the referees that we automatically win regardless of what the other team is whereas libertarians are like no fuck it we don't need any referees like while at I think like in an ideal world that kind of makes sense because the idea is like, you know, whoever's got like the most skills will ultimately win the game. Ultimately, I think that sort of just exacerbates like the inequalities or just the, the cheating that already exists in the system so that whoever's winning at the time is just going to, you know, pull out a knife and stab the other person on the other team and no one's there to like, you know, pull a flag or whatever. And it, it, it just doesn't work. It helps those who already have power. I, I mean, the issue, the issue is, in my opinion, at least, is like there's obviously some regulation that's important, but a lot of this regulation helps exactly what you're saying. I mean, it creates the bigger divide. I mean, when like the big banks were bailed out, like people say that's capitalism. That's not capitalism. That's economic socialism. It's socialism. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's socialism. Yeah. And then and they're arguing us like I don't believe they should have been bailed out. They yeah. should have been bailed because they weren't they weren't good enough to succeed. Yeah. We have socialism for the rich and like carnivore capitalism for everyone else, I think. 
Right. And I, I mean, we, we're living in a very, very socialist country already. So, uh, I don't know about that. I mean, oh, no, definitely. I mean, economically socialist, for sure. I mean, I mean you have to go, you have to, the fact that, the fact that you even have to go and get a license to start a business is ridiculous. Yeah, like, but. so much regulation and red tape anywhere you go, and when you pay taxes, I mean, a lot of it gets wasted. There's so many, I feel like there's, it's not like sort of like a doggy dog thing. I mean, I feel like private companies could create competition to handle it so much better than the government does. But what so about. So like you privatize something, there's uh-huh. competition and then you can give to what you want to give to. But what about something like like public goods, that there is no private incentive to, like there's no profit model. Like for example, like clean air, something that I value given that I have asthma. Uh, if there's no incentive for a company to provide for clean air outside of like government regulations mandating that, then like why would there ever be an incentive for a company to not pollute the shit out of it? See, yeah, no, that, that, that's, that's, like, that's like, something where you need regulation. Yeah, you need regulation like for stuff. Okay. Like that. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's like a happy medium, I guess. Is where exactly. You're... I mean, it's, yeah, like, it's, it's not, it's never, it's never uh, like black and white, one side and the other, you know. Yeah. But I, I'm just talking about like even like Social Security is basically the government takes money from you that you could invest and then gives it back to you much less value because of all the inflation they created by printing money and creating more national debt. Yeah. In, in theory, they give it back to you, but like for our generation. Yeah, America, yeah we may not even get it. We're screwed, dude. the social security you just invested in the S&P 500 and then got it when you were 60, you'd have so much more money than what potentially you get back from social security. I mean, I just feel like the government has no incentive well, to be- Well, assuming, assuming the economy is relatively stable, which uh, we've learned in our lifetime, it's not necessarily, whereas social security- It's not, but it, I mean, it always, I mean, if you invest in the S&P in 1970 and, and had your money in it right now, you would make a lot of money. Yeah, it always- It, it always like, it averages like 7% a year. Yeah. Um, so, like, it's, yeah. what it's- it's a, definitely can be volatile, but I think it's it averages. Over I mean, there's definitely like scares, and but, most most of the uh, the uh, depression and stuff like that were created by the government. Yeah, so. but like, so I mean, you said you know you mentioned investing, but like that sort of like brings up the income inequality issue. Like, and a, another reason that I think libertarianism is like not necessarily the best idea, even though I do like a lot of its ideas for sure. Um, I just don't see it as preventing the kind of rapid um, concentration of wealth that we've seen over the last like 50 years because like, mo- so for example, like if what percent of the stock market do you guys think the richest 1% of Americans own? I mean, probably a large percent, but I mean, I mean like, if, like the if the lower percent yeah. didn't have 30 to 40% taken out of their taxes every year and income tax, they probably have decent amount of money to invest. Yeah, but like that's sort of an argument for like a more progressive income tax system so that like the less you make, the less you have to pay into taxes. No, I think there should be no income tax at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I believe. I mean, it was unconstitutional when it was originally created. It was created uh, for like Carnegie and Vanderbilt, yeah. uh, the, the most wealthy. It was only about 2% of their income that they gave. No one paid income tax until like it was it was Teddy Roosevelt, I thought, who... What? I thought it was like Teddy Roosevelt who started... Well, Teddy Roosevelt did the 2% uh, 
Teddy Roosevelt did like the 2% on Vanderbilt and Carnegie and all those guys, which is a very small amount when you think about it these days. I mean, it really came to fruition with FDR and uh, Lyndon Johnson. Yeah. With FDR with the New Deal and Lyndon Johnson with the Great Society program with his war on poverty, yeah. which I think was a big failure because, I mean, there's, there's plenty of income inequality. But, I mean, I feel like we need to look and see, like, actually – behind the scenes what is causing this and i don't think there's like a good answer to say like oh we, if we do this like we can fix it because i think the system is so broken it's, i mean at least in america over the past like 40 or 50 years it's because labor is becoming less valuable like even skilled labor but like because it's like technology advances uh there's like there's more automation and like globalization like there's just like all these markets are opening up with cheaper labor so like like if you look at america like the labor force or like the distribution of wealth since like the 50s or 60s like it makes perfect sense because the people in like like the uh like people who own who own a lot of stock or like on like the boards of companies like are doing well because like they're all these productivity gains from technology and from like outsourcing labor but like if you're like like a blue collar worker or like like a skilled tradesperson like, yeah, you're going to suffer because now you're just, instead of competing with, like, other people in America, now you're competing with, like, people all around the world, and you're competing with, like, like machines. <laughs> you know? But, yeah, I, was, I both think it comes back to sort of, um, it comes back to not only the tax, but the inflation created by printing money and all the debt we're in right now. Like, the United States is not in a good spot. And in inflation, if someone's not invested, just makes their money worth less and less and less. Yeah, we. I think we need to curb that because I really think we're in a spot where the dollar is about to collapse. I mean, you can't print all this money and be in all this debt. I mean, we have to pay it back. We have to fix it somehow. So, I mean, when I'm talking about libertarians, I'm not talking about like a pure, you know, no regulation, no government, no anything. I just want minimal government for what we need, and I want to cut spending across the board. I think there's a lot of a lot of situations where private enterprise and competition even if it's marginally regulated, could be a lot better than the government just handling it and not care and just wasting yeah. money. I, I just don't think they're efficient in a lot of stuff. I, but I, I agree, and I, I actually really do agree because I think like the majority of people think or say that they're you know fiscally conservative, socially liberal, meaning like yeah they want a small, efficient government that like only provides the services necessary, you know. Uh, and doesn't like isn't this bloated bureaucracy that like we kind of have today um, but at the same time like if you look at like some of the greatest achievements in in American like modern history for example like landing a person a man on the moon that was only, or even like creating the internet both of those were only the result of American taxpayer money going into very high risk um, programs that only could have happened because of the fact that there was like all this investment in, in, in a scenario that like the private industry just never would have ever invested in because it was just too risky. And so I don't like, know. I think Elon Musk would have been on the verge of doing something like that. I mean, landing on the moon was just purely the space race against the yeah, that's, war like, in I Russia. Was, like I hate which, to like, I hate to say this, but like landing a man on the moon is not didn't really accomplish anything. Yeah, it didn't really accomplish yeah, anything. Yeah, that, that was that was more of like a geopolitical like fuck you to Russia for yeah, sure. Yeah, it was just like a point yeah. of like national pride. Like, not to mention like, how much money we spent on the space race. Yeah, like, no, like, obviously no company would ever invest in that because like there was no return from that. It 
but, but, there, so, but there kind of was because we got satellites, like communication satellites, uh, as a result of it. Like I, I, I more use that. That as has nothing to do with landing on. The moon. You no, know, no, like, no, I, no, I, I could have done that like a lot. Landing on the moon. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so what? What was I gonna say? Um. I don't know. Like I guess my. I mean, continuing this topic of just like libertarianism, and this actually kind of relates in the same way to what you mentioned also in your email, like gun laws is like, I think of it like uh, seatbelt laws, you know, something that I don't like being told to that I have to, that I'm legally required to wear a seatbelt. But at least I, I acknowledge that like, you know, if we live in a society, we kind of need to cater to like the dumbest among us in a sense in that like there are people who do need to be told to wear a seatbelt or like not to drink before they drive. Because if they don't do that, those things, then they're endangering the lives of other people, whether they're like a family that they plow into if they're hammered or their kids, you know, who don't wear a seatbelt or whatnot. And so like, I, I think like that's part of like that social contract of like living in a society where like, yeah, you're going to sacrifice some freedoms, but like it's ultimately for the greater good. And in the grand scheme of things, those freedoms that you're giving up are ultimately like pretty small given the, the benefits. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah like, I, I agree like with you on some of them, but like, in terms of owning guns, can I just say something yeah. real quick? Yeah. In terms of owning guns, I mean, there's already 300 million guns in the United States. They're not going away. If you're going to commit a violent crime, you're not going to get a gun legally anyway. You're going to find a gun, and if I'm a legal homeowner, I'd rather, I mean, if you were a criminal, okay, and you're going to break into a house, would you break into a house in Chicago where guns aren't allowed, or would you break into a house in Atlanta where someone could have a shotgun and shoot you? But wait, you can own a gun in Chicago. I thought you just can uh, conceal carry. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you can. You can. I think you can own a gun. You just can't. Okay, maybe. Maybe yeah. New York. Maybe. But also, also, like you bring up Chicago, and Chicago is like a good. Uh, it's it's what a bunch of conservatives love to bring up whenever they're bringing up like, oh, regulation doesn't work. The majority of guns that are confiscated by police in Chicago come from Indiana, where there are no gun laws essentially, and so like, right. yeah, like yeah. Obviously, gun laws are not going to solve everything, but if even if it like solves something and like makes a dent in a much bigger problem, I think it's worthwhile, assuming that it doesn't infringe too much on people's like individual liberties. You know? Yeah, I just I haven't seen much difference in terms of the laws making any difference. So I would rather be able to protect myself from violent criminals. I mean, if you're going to cause it, if you're going to create, if you're going to do a crime with a gun, you're not going to worry about if you got it legally. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. You're going oh, to find a gun and you're going to kill somebody. That's true. Like, especially, I mean, you make you make a good point because, like, in other countries where, like, they've had success uh, reducing gun violence with gun laws, like, there wasn't, like, a level of gun ownership you had here. Like, there's no other country where there are that many guns. Like, they're, like, I mean... But that's, that's, but the, argument, that's the argument, to, like, reduce the gun ownership. Yeah, but I'm, but I'm saying if you, like... I just, uh, they're not... Like, they're not going away. Like, no like one's going to turn their ass like a law, like, like a, a serious gun control law, like you did in, like, the UK. Like, like not that not as many people, there weren't as many guns per capita anyway, you know? But, like, like in America, if you did that, there would still be millions of guns everywhere, which, which like, I know, I guess the, the answer to that is, like, the gun buyback program, you know? But, like, I just I just don't think it's ever going to work. And I'd rather be able to protect myself against a violent criminal than not. Yeah. Okay. So like on this topic of guns, which I'm also like very down to, to have, um, first of all, 
the majority of Democrats, like voters and politicians, I think, don't want to eliminate guns entirely. That's that's just like something that I think, again, Fox News wants to like implant in, in people's heads is like, we wanna knock on your door and take all your guns away. That's just bullshit. Um, but also like the vast majority of Americans, Republicans included, want common sense gun reform and like gun laws, like national background checks, which I think has got like 95% approval rating. Oh yeah, see that's, that, that, that national background checks are completely fine. But the, I mean, yeah. common, common sense gun laws doesn't really mean much. I mean, they talk about like banning assault weapons, which isn't even a type of gun. Well, what, what, it, what exactly? But why? You say it doesn't mean much, but like it, if it, even if it saved the, the lives of like a thousand people a year, isn't that like worth trying, you know? Like, yeah. it, no, it, no, it doesn't save. If it doesn't save every assault rifle is the type of gun. Yeah, I mean, it's I guess it's, it's like a rifle that shoots a smaller caliber bullet, but it's bigger than a pistol bullet. So like if you, it's, it's like, like an intermediate. Yeah, but it's but not, it's like not a, like a technical type of gun. I, I don't know, it's, it's designed for shooting like a lot of people quickly. I just feel like the gun laws really aren't saving anybody here. Because they're, because they're not national, because they're state enforced and they're like weak to begin with. I mean, do, do you know that like, there's something called the Dickey Amendment, which prevents Congress from researching the effects of gun laws and this was passed in like the 90s because like it they you know again republicans saw that like oh shit if we actually research the effectiveness of this stuff then they're going to find all this evidence that supports like oh maybe these moderate measures are going to impact the gun lobby which is paying our fucking pockets uh and so we're not going to be able to like pass laws that they're going to like and blah 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 and so ultimately like we are like preventing our government from enacting even like the smallest of regulations um, because they know, they being like the Republicans in Congress, know that even the smallest regulation will have like an, an, an impact on the profits of like uh, Smith & Wesson or whatever. Right, and I, and I, I, I mean, I disagree with well, having people, impact. I mean, people feel like it's but, like a, a slippery slope. Like that's like, yeah. what, that's like, the, like gun people think of it that way because it's like, yeah, like I might, own like an assault rifle but like i don't want to like give up on like an assault weapons ban and then like the national conversation turns to like like banning other types of guns or like like you like you become a country like 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 a country in europe where you have to like justify like your reason for owning any type of firearm and then, like self-defense like and every every fascist country started by banning guns i mean i I need to potentially protect myself from the government as well. I don't trust the government. I don't know what you do, but I don't. Yeah, yeah, but look, look whose side the military and the police are on. They're not on my side. They're on... Maybe they will. I mean, I have friends in the military that probably won't support the government if they have a crazy takeover, a fascist takeover. I have friends that probably toss us a few tanks and we can take care of it, man. Yeah, but like, I, I just like, I know that that's why the Second Amendment was originally passed was like to ensure that like the people could like rise up against the government if they turn tyrannical. But like, just look at where we are now. The, our government has fucking drones. You think like a, a assault rifle is gonna, you know, stand a chance against a drone? No fucking way. No, absolutely not. But at least I want to have a fighting chance. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking about a coup happening. You should probably get some guns, man. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I 
when I lived uh, when I lived abroad, I I shot an AK forty seven, and I think it was like an MP forty or something, like you know, one of those like big turret style guns. You know, yeah. back deep. Yeah, I, it was yeah, sick. Argument, and I don't I don't even have any uh, rifles. I mean, all I need for myself is I have a forty five and a nine millimeter out of concealed carry. Do you want to have one? And then I've been, shot, to, I've been trying to sell one. But if if I'm not if I'm not able to protect myself from you know violent criminals like what am i doing because i don't trust the police yeah but bro like what what violent criminals are coming after you like are you i mean there was riots like yeah, it's really scared. really People close to my house there's like a gas like, station they, the they were breaking into a gas People station they broke like, into a joseph a gang right there breaking the windows like, like, like i had friends that live a mile from my place their windows in their apartment complex were broken like they usually i was i was sitting out here ready like if someone yeah. tried to break the place i would shoot them I mean, yeah. it's, it's my right to, you know. I mean, it's just, you never know what's going to happen. And you, then you saw after all the violent riots and everything, there was a lot of people that did, that never owned guns before were trying to buy guns, which I think is scary, first of all. So now, I mean, I think that people should be allowed to be guns, but I think people should be educated. We should have an educated society about guns. I don't think just anyone should just be able to get it. That's why I agree with your background sort of thing. I mean, people should know how to operate these guns. Yeah. Yeah. No. And and like that sort of like uh, brings up like kind of like the point of my podcast is like I think that there is not a lot of nuanced discussion. And like I agree, man. Like I think, and I I think the majority of uh, gun owners like yourself um, also agree that there needs to be these like you know very like minor regulations uh, just to make sure like some insane person who can't get on a plane is still allowed to like buy a gun you know um oh and in terms of the background checks i completely agree with you man yeah yeah that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying like there are these like minor like um agreements that i think like we can come to that are just never able to go anywhere sure. because because of the effectiveness of like the gun lobby but and the partisanship on i mean the republicans and the democrats that's why we need to vote libertarian but but also like Democrats like no Democrat is arguing for like a full like gun buyback program As, aside from like you know people who's the guy in Beto O'Rourke in Texas who Beto yeah he's, he's yeah, yeah yeah but just look at Biden so for example his platform I'm pretty sure he is for a national background check red flag laws which are basically things like you know if you are a domestic abuser or you have like a bunch of like crim- a criminal record whatever like. Uh, you get flagged whenever you try to buy a gun. You can only buy one gun per month, things like that. Um, yeah, I completely and, agree. And I think he's in support of like uh, an assault weapons ban, maybe, but like a buyback program that's entirely voluntary. So you can still have your weapon, but you just have to like, you know, register it, whatever. Point being like pretty like moderate in the sense of like democratic reforms for gun control. Um, and yet if you were in my mind to watch like Fox news or whatever, you would think that he's literally trying to send like the UN to knock on your door and take all your guns and then like walk out. Like, you know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they get a lot, they, they do get mileage off that, like the Beto O'Rourke thing. We could, like, they got like a lot of mileage. We can both this, agree that Fox news, news is very biased as well yeah. as all media sources. I feel like are biased in their own way. Like the, like the clip where Beto was like, you're damn right. We're going to take your guns away. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but like he does not represent the majority of the Democratic Party. And like you just like polling 
says that. Like, it's not. I don't think most Democrats right now would be like, like, I think probably most Democrats would support like an assault weapons ban, but I don't, I don't think like most of them think like you shouldn't be able to own a gun for like self-defense, you know, or even like hunting or like, uh, like, I, I think that's probably accurate. I mean, I think like kind of the focus right now is on like mass shootings and people having like, like basically like an AR-15 where you can just gun down like dozens of people. The thing about the thing about mass shootings is they account to like less than one percent of the gun violence, but they're scary because they can happen anywhere. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the gun yeah. violence happens in just bad areas, which I think is fucked up and needs to change too. Like we talked about south of Chicago. No, you're right. Yeah. I mean, it's like and that's and that's mass like, shootings. Like people, that's, it's connected to police brutality too because it's like sad, but like I feel like most of the gun deaths are like young black men being like shot by other young black men. Yeah. So, yeah. Or, or Hispanic. And it's, it's like, like obviously there are a lot of uh, different like elements to that. Like it's like economic too, but like it's a, like, like a lot more like men of color are like killed, but like in a situation like that, than like are killed by police. And it's like, like, no, like none of them should be killed. Like no one in America should be killed by like a single police officer. So like, like it shouldn't even happen once. Which is like why people are offended, but it's not even like it's not like the bigger problem, you know. I mean, with social media and everything now, these blow up, which they should because it's a terrible situation. But I mean, they're very few and far between compared to the actual gun violence going on. Yeah, but it's it's just so crazy when you see it happen. Like it's like holy shit! Like I can't believe. And it's scary to the general public because you know, like, I mean, you're not going to go to the south of Chicago and just fuck around. But like a mass shooting could happen. I mean, maybe, but I wouldn't. But a mass shooting could happen anywhere. At any time, so yeah. it's, it's scary. You know, it gets good coverage. You know. Did you guys know that um, the highest month for gun sales ever in the United States was immediately after the um, Sandy Hook shooting in Connecticut, like with the like the little kid? Yeah, that's not surprising. Not, not surprising. <laughs> the second, the second highest month was uh, last month. Uh, I, no, maybe two months ago. Two months ago. Um, with the riots, yeah. I can believe that. Like, I've, I've honestly bought, like, multiple guns, like, since then, so. Have you really? How many, like, what do you have? I've got, like, basically, like, hunting weapons. Like, I've got, like, I've got, like, surplus guns because I'm, like, a history buff. Like, surplus rifles. Yeah. And uh, maybe, like, like, two of those and then maybe, like, three or four hunting guns. You know, but, I mean, I don't have... I don't have an AR-15, but, like, I'm not, like, against people having them. But, like, yeah. at the same time, it is, like, uh, well, like, I can see how, obviously, if you're going to commit a mass shooting, like, you're not going to use, like, a bolt-action rifle, you know? Like, like, you have to, like, like get, like, an AR-15 or, yeah. like, a gun like that. Yeah. Like, people need to be responsible if they have guns. Like, yeah, that's just, what we were like, talking about before. About like, you can't just, like, get hammered. Responsible gun. Like load a gun and just yeah, like, but but also people are fucking stupid, and I think like the majority, of, a lot of gun deaths are stuff like that. Like people, actually, no, the majority of gun deaths are people who are like just depressed, suicides, yeah, yeah, which they would probably use another source, unfortunately, to kill themselves. Well, but but not like to play devil's advocate here, not necessarily. Yeah, there's like like there's I don't know like each is like you may have seen this or listened to, it, but there's like a Malcolm Gladwell chapter uh in one of his recent books about like just that that like like depressed people or like people who are like chronic commit suicide actually like 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 different people are okay with different methods which like sounds weird but it's like a lot of, a lot of people give that argument that it's like oh well 
yeah so like if he didn't have a gun like he would have just jumped off a bridge but it's like some people like would shoot himself but then like some people like especially like uh well at least like according to him like females like are like much more likely to like take pills you know yeah whatever reason it's it's like yeah like some people if, if like you make like the gun available like at that certain time if they're like bipolar or like whatever they're dealing with like yeah like they are more likely to kill themselves as opposed to like jumping off a bridge you know for whatever or, or, or whatever else yeah. Like, yeah that's that's a good point yeah that's that's tough yeah. like i don't think it's for example like i don't think like college kids like should have guns like on a college campus or like in a Dude, I I still cannot believe that Marty had guns in his room. So did Randy. Really? I can I can definitely believe that, but I like it's not a oh. good idea. Sorry, yeah, I can definitely believe it. I just think like in hindsight, I'm like, holy shit, that was really dumb. Uh, yeah, we got attacked once. I feel like we needed it. I don't think it's no, it's a terrible idea. <laughs> like, no. I when I've lived in like sketchy places, I've slept with like a club or something like near near the bed because at least like with that like you can like hit someone and then be like oh no that, they're just like delivering food or something like there's some way to realize that uh yeah i don't know i carry with us all the time except when i'm drinking obviously yeah but but also yeah, you're, like, you're smarter than the average person and that's what i worry about right, right. no that's yeah. understandable i i think you have a great point there i mean it's like it's if someone breaks into your house and you're defending yourself, that's a lot different than if you're like drinking at like a bar and you just have like a gun. You know, it's like the Wild West. Yeah, you, like Wild Bill Hickok got shot in the back. Man, he was the greatest gunsmith of all time. Do you he got, shot in the back over seven? So was it? I don't know. Do you guys remember when Huey Mack came and performed it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys go out to Maggie's that night with us, like with him and his like? I don't Okay, so I, I went to Maggie's with him and his manager that night, and I distinctly remember like one of their like posse pulling up his shirt in Maggie's, showing a pistol and being like, yo, should we, um, I got this just in case anything like gets serious. I'm like, dude, are you kidding? We're at like Maggie's. I can, be- I can believe yeah. it, dude. Because I mean, there's like, no way that guy got this gun. Because he's like, yeah, he's like a, yeah, he's like a wannabe, he's like a wannabe rapper. So. Yeah. Like, obviously, he's got, like, some dude who has, like, a gun. I was trying to think about that guy's name. I'm glad you mentioned it. That's, that's awesome. But, like, but that's just, like, an, a perfect example of, like, I don't trust people because they're all idiots. I mean, myself included. I'm for sure an idiot on a lot of things. But, like, I would never trust myself carrying a gun around, even when I'm, well, eh, maybe sober. But, like. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't trust people, and that's why I want a gun. Because <laughs> there's a lot of crazy people out there. Yeah. A lot of crazy people. I mean, yeah, it's it's fine if you're sober, but like you definitely, yeah, you shouldn't like just bring a gun to like. A I mean, I think that's an all agreed upon like, law that everyone and like, has. I, like, you're not allowed to carry a gun when you're intoxicated. To be fair, uh, though, Nashville, like when I was in high school, I think it was when I was in high school or like early college, they passed a law that said you could actually like carry a gun to a bar like while you were drinking. It, that's so fucking stupid. Like I can't. I, I can't remember what the law was exactly, but it was like a huge deal. Like people were freaking out. As long as everyone's on the same. As long as everyone is forced to have a gun at the bar, I think it's fair. That's, that's a good point. That's a good point. 
it's, it's like mutual assert, assured destruction or whatever it's called. Exactly. Like, as long as everyone's got like a yeah. fucking. Yeah. And that's the point of like, that's like if you, like, you could say like, yeah, Mexican standoff. Like, in theory, like, mass shootings would never happen if everyone was just overbearing a gun all the time. I mean, like, yeah, in theory. But, like, imagine a bunch of like, you know, what, second graders like being strapped? No, no way. That's not a realistic. Well, not second. I, yeah, well, like, what's that? Sorry. Go like, ahead. The, obviously, like, the. I was just gonna say my my dog uh, has got to leave. Cause- All right, so we briefly got interrupted here uh, by my dog actually. Um, so I'll, before I jump back into our conversation, I, I just want to clarify that the reason I at this point brought up the second graders being strapped is because it reminded me of um, a show that Sasha Baron Cohen did, I think called "Who Is America," where he essentially convinced a number of. Uh, conservative politicians and just activists to support a make-believe program of his called Kindergartens, where he literally advocates for arming uh, elementary school kids. And it got a surprising amount of support. Um, I definitely recommend checking out the video clip because it's terrifying, but also hilarious. But anyways, uh, I'll jump back into the conversation. Dude, I'm, I'm glad you're getting this conversation going because it's fun to talk about it, you know? Yeah, man. I, I, uh... When I first heard your first two... I was like, he definitely needs to be talking to other people in this. Like, it's called Prove Me Wrong. So, like, you need to have the conversation, which is nice. I'm glad we could help out, man. Yeah, man. Like, I, so I initially, like, I wanted to try to incorporate this, like, two way into, like, every episode, but then I've got a lot of thoughts and, like, I wanted to, like, say them and then, like, give other people a chance to, like, think and, like, respond. And this is a way, this is a way that I can kind of encourage anyone to, to reach out to me and set up a, uh, a conversation instead of like me reaching out to them instead, you know, cause that's right. That's a good point. Yeah. Just use the alias Brock Turner for me. Quentin, <laughs> <laughs> you do kind of look like Brock Turner though. Yeah. Just, I'm like just shorter and like out of shape, but like, he's the Stanford, uh, swimmer right <laughs> <laughs> Just listening to a podcast, which is like why, like I brought him up, but like apparently, like he, it happened outside the K house at Stanford, which is really fucked up. But like he was, he was, he was a freshman, like he wasn't in KA, but like it's, it's just, it's like fuck, like he only got like six months, like yeah. he went to jail for months and then got like probation, yeah. and he was just like he was on top of a girl, basically just like assaulting her, and it was like blatant enough that like these two Swedish dudes were just like riding bikes at night and they just looked over and like in the window no that no no it was outside he was oh he was outside he was assaulting her oh he was assaulting this girl like behind a dumpster like outside the holy shit yeah i thought thought he like full-on raped her i thought it no apparently apparently like he never like actually had his dick out like, he probably was trying to. Though. Yeah, I'm sure he was, I'm sure <laughs> he was about to. And like, yeah. these two dudes just rode, rode, grad students rode by on bikes, and it was dark, but they like just looked over and like knew that it, like something weird was going on. And so, like, then they like stopped and like walked over, and they were like, holy shit, like, and they like saw what was happening. And then, like, they just tackled him and like called the police. But like, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just fucked up that like he only got like six months in jail for that. Yeah, and and I, I'm sorry to bring it back to like this shitty conversation, but like earlier last week, there was a story about this guy, a black guy, of course, in Louisiana, who was sentenced to life in prison for stealing a pair of hedge clippers. Oh yeah, I saw that. That's insane. Oh, that shit. Yeah. Like, like all the people who get like serious jail time for like weed. 
Can you imagine oh, yeah. how pissed off they are right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kamala so, Harris put a lot of people in jail for weed. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know, this that that actually brings up you know another good point that I want to talk about. In that, like a lot of the criticisms of Kamala and Biden from like mostly like my more liberal friends is that like they're not progressive enough, and like I totally agree um, in that uh, sense. But also like. I, I think like the role of a politician, I think I said this in this last episode, is to kind of like conform to whatever society's opinion is at that time. And so like, I don't necessarily like fault Biden on a lot of his past positions, because if you were to look at like what the majority of Americans thought at that time, he was probably, and I think rightly in line with what the majority opinion was, even if like today, it is kind of viewed as like more like antiquated and just like out of touch, you know? That's like, that's what it comes back to with like the Confederate statues and everything. Like everyone was racist at the time. Yeah, but the, the Confederate statues were erected during like the 1960s. They were not erected. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, every, I mean, shit, the biggest, uh, the biggest racism charged like event was in New York during that time, which I thought was crazy. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not sure that Joe Biden's not racist. Like, I just, like, I think he like, uh, just like the like the way he campaigns, like he just like talk like it's like a, like there have been other politicians who've done it, but he just like talks down to black people. Like they just like think that like yeah, when he said that he was gonna put, put, like he said he, he said, said like that, say like a certain playbook, then like black people were just like so he said Mitt Romney was gonna put him back in chains. That was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. Like he says, like he. Like, what are you talking, thinking when you're saying something whenever, like, like that? Like, whenever he's saying something that he wants to like target like black voters, he just starts trying to sound like like black. Like he's like yeah. he like they gonna put y'all back in chains. <laughs> like he <laughs> just like says it in like like an offensive way. Or or saying like the like you mentioned earlier to Charlemagne the God like oh if you don't vote for me or like you ain't black or whatever he said yeah. yeah. Like, if you don't know, if you don't vote for me or Trump, like, you ain't black. Yeah. <laughs> he just, like, says, like, yeah, like, like, I mean, yeah, I agree. Like, Imagine if that stuff's stupid and shit, but, like, again, like, focus more on, like, his substance. If you were to, like, compare the substance of, like, what he's for in terms of, like, legislation, it, it doesn't, I mean, it's not even a comparison. Like, he is very, like, progressive in terms of, like, advancing uh policies that help the black community which is why he won the state of south carolina so handily um and it's the literally the only reason that he is the democratic nominee like he was essentially out of the race until south carolina which was like the second or third primary state voted in favor of him overwhelmingly over like sanders i think at the time and then from there, he went to Nevada, and like he just like carried the momentum throughout the rest of the primary. But look at his competition, though. I mean, shit. The, yeah, that's the, true. The people like, the like, Democrats like, brought out yeah. were. I mean, I, again, I like Pete and I like Andrew Yang, but neither of them really had a shot. It was yeah. like him or like Bernie, who's a ridiculous socialist, who's like you know, it's just it's very yeah, especially very with like the black community. Like you could see Biden beating like Pete or like Bernie. Like yeah, I mean, I, Pete didn't have a very good pull with the black community, which I don't particularly understand. I mean, I thought he was, I thought he was a pretty level-headed guy. Well, I mean, he, uh, he is. There are like a lot of like, 
uh, like black people that are like pretty religious, and so like there's not, especially in South. That's South a good. South. That's a good point. So like, yeah. there's not, that's, that's gonna be like kind of openly gay. Yeah, I, I think that hurt him. Also, like Joe Biden has a lot of name recognition in the South. Um, and and also, like, I think, and I, I hope this doesn't make me, like, bigoted for saying, but, like, the Black community is, like, much more, I think, pragmatic in terms, or calculative in their choice for primary picks, in that, like, they look to see who they think has the best chance because the stakes for them are so much higher, I so to speak. Um, if they were to lose. And so they saw, in my mind, to some extent, Biden as just being like a safer pick than like a Pete Buttigieg or like one of these more radical candidates. And so, again, like I could be wrong on that front, but like I think Biden's win in South Carolina was definitely like foreseeable, but like to the extent that he won was uh, in my mind, not, not so much. I mean, it was also another thing where like when Pete and all these people dropped out, they immediately endorsed him. Yeah, but that's that's only because they see like what the alternative is and right, they, right. They're, they're trying to go against the fire. and like the Green Party people, which makes sense. Yeah. Because I mean I don't think their policies are very good, but that's just my old man's opinion. What the Green Party? Yeah. Who who even is like the Green Party candidate, do you know? Is there one? It was Jill Stein last time, oh, but I feel like the policies, like the policies of, uh, what was that, the blonde lady, the older blonde lady, what was her name, um, and like... Elizabeth Warren? No, not, <laughs> no, no, the, the older blonde lady, remember her, she was in the primaries? For, like, in the Democratic ticket, you mean? Yeah, on the Democratic side, I'm trying to remember... You're talking about, like, Marianne Williamson? No, 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 she's blonde. She helped, she helped, uh... Like, Kirsten Gillibrand? Like, yeah, Gillibrand. Yeah, Gillibrand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she helped write the Green New Deal and everything. Yeah, like, she she was definitely on that, that point there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, whatever. I mean, there's no real good answer to all this. It's just, you know, it's fun to talk about. I mean, we're never going to fix it. Every, yeah. People are going to get upset either way. Um, yeah, like, Joe, Joe Jorgensen wants to abolish the ATF. It's just pretty rad. Yeah. <laughs> and the DEA. That's pretty, yeah, and the, the war. I mean, the war on drugs is insane. She just wants to basically decriminalize all drugs. I'm for it. And uh, war, I mean, the war on drugs is such a waste of money now. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane. Like, yeah. the, like the, I mean, it started with Reagan and Nancy Reagan. We've just been doing it. Stuff, been like, just saying no. That people feel like we have to. Yeah. The, like these, other countries, these weed smokers are real violent. Yeah, like yeah, yeah we got to put them in jail. They're real yeah, like violent. There are other, <laughs> other countries like, like like Portugal is just like basically decriminalized. Yeah, when drugs. I was in Portugal, you could get Molly, and it's just not like it's Legally. not like their country just like fell apart. Like, it's just yeah, like, dude. The, well, the war on drugs was started under Nixon, and his like Nixon's yeah. own like team has said like, oh yeah, like we started this like under the guise of like a war on drugs, but literally it was just to like target hippies and like all these liberals that we thought were like political opponents, not because they like- Yeah, thought it was, yeah. Like, yeah. And, then, like, and then like they want to make sure they have, you know, I mean the war on drugs and the real war on drugs, it's just like who politically can help us in terms of providing the drugs that's not going to cause too much shit. Yeah. You're not going to stop the flow of drugs coming in no matter what. Yeah. Well, drugs is always going to come to the United States. Yeah. Well, until, so realize, until we legalize it. 
Well, yeah, until we legalize it, which is, I think is the, the move we need to do. I mean, shit, if we legalize uh, drugs, gambling, nationwide, and prostitution, imagine how much money we could, the government could waste on tax dollars from that. <laughs> I'm, I'm living in Denver now where uh, the economy is booming in large part because they were one of the first states to legalize marijuana. Um, it's like a very like, it's got a very- Yeah, I mean, very, I mean I'm out there. It's crazy because like they'll tax it at like 30 something percent and it's still cheaper than if you were to buy it somewhere else where it wasn't legal. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I, I mean, I think it, they should all be legal. I'm, I'm completely on board with that, man. Yeah. That's why it's so tough for like people like us to like get behind a party. And that's why what you're talking about in your podcast too, like the two party system is antiquated and needs to end, but I don't, I don't really see an end to it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they don't, it's like, they definitely don't represent the only two like points of view. Exactly. Like, and I, like, I don't align with either. It's just the only thing to do, I guess, is potentially if a third party gets enough where one of them doesn't get a majority, then we'll start having the conversation. That's where I think the electoral college could have some value. There are plenty of countries too with like three or four political parties. Oh yeah, like Israel has like twenty political yeah. parties. Yeah. yeah, so uh, pretty much all of Europe has got like more of like a par- par- parliamentary system where like you're essentially like appropriated the number of like representation in Congress or whatever Parliament, Congress, whatever, based on like how much how many votes you get. And yeah. is that we have this like plurality system where it's like a winner take all. Like yeah, we we can't have that which sucks, but there are like a few solutions and there are two states, I think. I think it's Maine and Nebraska that currently have ranked choice voting in which like you literally just like, take, take like all the candidates and you get to choose like you rank them essentially. And that sort of enables um, you to, I mean, it's just like a much more democratic way because like obviously like if you don't like one candidate that much, like you can express that in a way um as a side as opposed to like just like voting like one versus the other and yeah i mean the all or nothing thing needs to stop it's trash yeah crazy yeah yeah. and like i feel like a lot of people just voices aren't being heard because they're either saying oh well i'm just gonna justify it and vote for one side or i'm gonna try to vote to block somebody yeah, Which I understand like, why like, people oh, vote that lesser way. Two yeah, the lesser two like, evils. Person's just like, like, this person's not that bad. Which like, I understand at a certain point why people say that. But at another point, like, our, the only voice I get is my vote. So why not vote for someone I actually believe in yeah. rather than just voting against someone? Yeah, there, know, should, be, that's there should be more viable candidates. I think, like, the original idea was, like, to promote, like, you know centrism and encourage like the two parties to like find a common ground uh but like even if you were to rewind like 20 years ago there were essentially like four parties you know liberal democrats conservative democrats you know moderate republicans extreme republic whatever and that like just doesn't exist anymore in part because of like like i said in the podcast gerrymandering because like you know these local politicians have to like fight for the extreme people the voters in the party as opposed to like the more moderates and so like it's just like widening the gap and like forcing people it's, yeah it's like what we said like, once, yeah, yeah. once you have power you want to keep it that's yeah. what happens so i mean it happens on both i mean in the history you know we had the Whig party i mean democrats were conservative republicans were liberal 
the Democratic Republicans, the Federalists, Anti-Federalists, you know, the list goes on. Yeah. But, I mean, I think the main point that I'm trying to make is we need to get out of this debt, man. It's yeah. like, when I talk to some friends, like liberal friends, they're I like, we're in all this debt. They're like, who cares? I was like, come on, man. Like, I care. <laughs> like, people wouldn't give us this if they didn't expect to get paid back. Like, we're going to have to pay it back eventually. Like, it's, um, it's money that we owe. Like, it's, and it's a lot of, it's a lot of money. And we're not even trying to get out of it. A good, I'd say a good counter argument for that um, is like, and for your sake is, okay, so like, if you care so much about like climate change, like I do, and, and that like, we have to care about this because it's going to affect us in the long term, then you should equally care about our debt because like, we yeah. are going to be the ones who are going to have to pay that off, you know? And, and I, I agree with the climate change. I mean, I definitely think there's like certain policies that like need to be focused on and need to be addressed. I just don't like the government is so inefficient with stuff. And there's a lot of stuff that could be cut. And we never cut the budget. We need to cut the budget. I was going to say, like, let's not talk about climate change because, like, I, I'm going to address that in the next episode. Uh, oh, no, that's fine. And I, I, I'm not that knowledgeable about it. But, I mean, I'm with you on that, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't think we're in a position to be the world's policeman anymore. I mean, yeah. we have, we have, we have, uh, we have military even not officially in every single state. Like after World War II, British were decimated and we became the world's policemen. Yeah. We have military in every single state. We're spending so much money on our military budget. We're not in a position to do that anymore. In my, I think right. we need to push back and do more isolation stuff and fix the internal problems in our country. Yeah. And spend money on that. I mean, the money we spend on our military budget is insane. insane. It's half and right. 21 trillion definitely probably has a lot to do with the military budget and stuff they're hiding now. You're, you're right, but I, th I think we'll also be at war with China like relatively soon. I mean, they're, they're, they're expanding pretty rapidly. So, um, I mean, I don't know. Having lived and studied and worked in China, uh, I, I actually don't think the possibility of war is like a real chance or threat. Only in the sense that like, I think China is like they, they just want to, well, I, it is and it isn't. I think like, and again, this is a whole nother topic that deserves like it's entirely own conversation, but like China is just trying to assert its dominance over Asia. And if the United States is willing to kind of concede that, then there's really nothing to worry about. Granted. I think, I think we're in a position where we should and we have to. I mean, shit, we're not in a position. To, I mean, like, we're not in a position to go out there and try to fight them. Like another Vietnam and shit. I don't. I don't. Uh, I mean, it's it's it depends on what you think of as Asia because they're already basically buying the Solomon Islands recently. Like they've they've basically like bribed like like the uh, the Solomon like Solomon politicians for like a hundred year lease of like one of their ports. So like it's it's basically like uh like they're that's just like like a Chinese like uh outpost now like they're just like expanding across the pacific and like they're being like very aggressive in like the south china sea and like they're basically claiming that like is their territorial waters now even though like for like decades that's just been like international waters and like yeah they're like philippines and like vietnam and like all these other countries there that like like have a claim to it but they're uh they're, they're just like they're just like a, like increasingly showing signs of being like an aggressive like fascist like 
state. And also, who's are we in position to stop it? Though I mean, yeah, 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 one hundred percent. Like our military, our military is still far better than theirs. Yeah, yeah. they have more. Not not to mention, like we still have like Japan is like one of our allies and South Korea, and like and and Vietnam like hates China. But like a lot of the countries in the region like really dislike China. So like, but like we like like if we're gonna stop it, like we should stop it now. But like we don't. If, or, or like in the near term future, but if we don't do anything, then like the countries in the region are going to start to think like, oh well, like America's not committed here, and they're just going to start aligning with China, you know? Like, like, but they, even, well, like like Australia even spent like it was it was like a huge it was a huge amount of money for them, but they just like passed like a huge defense spending bill like a few weeks ago. And it's it's basically just because they're like so afraid of China. So what do like, deal with it? I mean, why 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 do I'm not saying are we in a position to deal with it? I'm saying why do we need to deal with it at this point when we have so many issues domestically that we need to handle? I just well because like we we stand to lose economically. I mean, the other thing is that it's it's not just like uh they're, like they're not like a friendly government. I mean, like they like oppress their own people. Like they like don't believe in democracy or like any kind of freedom of thought. Like they just like. They just like took away the, uh, the civil rights of like everyone in Hong Kong. They, uh, well, like they have concentration camps. Like, for, they, like they still have. They still have. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. They they have concentration camps right now for like all like the Uyghur Muslims, and they're like they're literally like like organ harvesting. So like like there's like a very short wait time in China for like organs, and it's like people theorize it's because they just literally like like kill people to order so like they'll just like murder like a leader if it's like if you're like an important like communist in china you can just murder like yeah that's like a, like a minority and just like steal their organs this is just like like it's it's just like a country that's like it like it's it's a government that's like antithetical to like everything like america like believes in yeah you know so it's like it's not just like it's not just like they're trying to like assert themselves in asia like but they're like also like like an ideological threat, you know, but like in the long term. Yeah. 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 I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on this topic, but it's, I'm, it's so yeah. it's separate. Yeah. Yeah, this is separate. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What, what I do want to say, though, is, and what I want to sort of just say to everybody is like, whoever does get elected to become president, you know, let's root for them because we want America to do well. Yeah. We don't want to root against our current president and root for him to fail, regardless of who it is, if it's Biden, Trump, I want them to do well. I want the United States to do well. I don't want to, you know, be happy when they fail because I said, I told you so, you know. We want America to do well and we want the president to do well. And that's how, that's how I feel about it. I mean, to be honest, man, like I, I had that exact mentality after 2016. And I, I, said like obviously i was pissed that trump won but like i respect democracy i will root for him i just i'm not going to root for a person who i have seen demonstrate a a a affinity for authoritarianism that i expect to only increase in intensity where to be reelected, you know and so like i i understand understand the sentiment but like if donald trump wins i'm going to be out there fucking riding on the streets too like I, there's no goddamn way that i'm not <laughs> well i mean that that's your right to protest and i mean again none, none of us are voting or agree with donald trump yeah but, 
I think I think I think the authoritarian thing is a little exacerbated. I think he's just more of an egomaniac. He's not a good person. I mean, he's an asshole. I don't like him. Never yeah. did. I just think that you know, rooting against somebody. I mean, right now, before the election, go ahead and root, root against him so he fails, so your person gets in charge. That's completely fine. When it comes down to it, you know, I want to. I mean, we should want America. We should want our country to succeed. So I, I want I want America to exceed, not Donald yeah, Trump. Exactly. Donald Trump. exactly. You know what I'm saying? And I, I feel like he does not represent America. That's what I'm saying. I mean he sort of does right now. <laughs> no, 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 he like he does and he doesn't. Like I uh yeah. I want American no, sorry, sorry. I want American values to succeed. Okay, yeah, yeah I'm I'm all on board with that. I agree with that. For sure. Well, hey, yo, thanks guys for at least talking about this. We we don't have to keep talking politics. Um, we can just shoot the shit if you no, want. No, no, I loved it, man. It was great. It's, yeah. it's just good to catch up with you, man, because I didn't miss you a lot, man. And I'm glad to hear that you're doing well with everything. All right, well, that concludes the first uh, conversation follow-up episode of my podcast, Prove Me Wrong, Please. Uh, if you haven't done so already, I encourage you to go back and listen to the previous episodes or just stay tuned for the upcoming episodes. Like I said, this is definitely a work in progress, so for now I'm just going to call this episode 2.5, but I don't know, maybe down the line I'll end up changing it to something a little uh, more catchy. Anyways, thanks again to my two guests for joining, and thank all of you uh, who managed to listen all the way through this, and I hope you continue listening. Cheers. Cheers.